Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. It's uh, always exciting to be in church. Jack, I reckon that was the best announcements you've ever done. <laughs> Hopefully everyone remembers every announcement that you gave, because uh, it was a lot of fun, and I like that. So uh, it is March, as Jack said, and uh, we finished last week our uh, launch series for the year, The Way of the King, uh, that there is a way to live, and it's the way Jesus uh, exampled to us, commanded to us, and showed us uh, in Scripture how to live, and we get, we get the blessing uh, when we live the way that He taught us to live. And uh, so today, I've been thinking and praying about the year and everything that happens around the year, and uh, all that God is doing in this place, and through this place, in our lives and through our lives, And uh, the next big item that's on the calendar for all of us as a church is Easter. And uh, it is an amazing time on the calendar, is it not? Jesus came. He came back. He didn't leave us. I love it. It's the best thing ever that Jesus came back and He redeemed us. He won us back by going to the cross on our behalf. And so that's what this month is going to be all about, stories of redemption, redeeming by the blood of the Lamb, that uh, Jesus has paid that price for us. So uh, if, you are, if you're a believer in the room, I pray that this series encourages you and uh, inspires you with what you're a part of. And uh, if you're not a Christian yet, I hope that you uh, can understand uh, and know what God has truly done for you, how much He loves you. And uh, some of the weird things that Christians might say like uh, the Lamb. Uh, Jesus is the Lamb and He's the Lion. He is awesome. And uh, the names and titles that we give him, and lots of wonderful other things like that. But uh, if you don't understand some stuff, that's okay. Uh, enjoy the service and uh, stick around after. Head to our New Here Lounge. We'd love to get to know you. Um, but to introduce this whole topic around my message this morning, which I've entitled Redeemed, uh, there's a big picture. There is a big picture. And uh, I think often, often, we get very consumed uh, with us, our life, our responsibilities, and uh, nothing wrong with that, but uh, there is more. And uh, I hope that you are encouraged that there is, there is hope. There is hope because of Jesus. Um, have you ever paid for something twice? It's probably not the greatest thing to do. Uh, we don't try to pay for something twice, do we? Uh, I think the, the, probably the most common place that it happens uh, would be the drive-through. Uh, you pay for something and you don't get it and then they don't believe you and, uh, and then you have to try and convince them. Uh, note to self, always take the receipt. Uh, yes, please, I will have that receipt and uh, then you got the proof. But uh, it, it's not super great when you have to buy something that is already yours. Uh, I think even worse would be if it was something that like you made. Uh, you owned it, you built it, it was yours, and, uh, and then somehow it's no longer yours, and then you have to buy it back. I remember a couple of times, I think it was three times, um, someone over at our Warner property decided that uh, they wanted to break into our shed uh, at the church there and permanently borrow uh, our gardening equipment. <laughs> and uh, they did so three times over, and we tried everything. We put locks on the doors, we put fake cameras up, <laughs> we, we, we left the lights on, we did everything. 
It's like they had inside knowledge, Jack. I don't know who it was and uh, probably never will, but that's okay. It wasn't Jack. Uh, <laughs> Jack's just on team with me, so I love to include him in everything. Um, but uh, uh, look, we got around it by just not leaving our gardening equipment in the shed. And uh, we had to have someone look after it for us. But uh, you may have heard of that story of the little boy that built the sailboat. Have you ever heard of that? It was awful. He built a sailboat, little boy, put all his heart and, you know, time into this little boat and uh, tarred all the bottom up so it would float, took it down to the, the, the lake uh, in the town and uh, off it went. And, uh, but it was so good that the wind caught its sail and off it went. <laughs> and uh, wasn't a remote, uh, so he didn't get it back. And uh, anyways, a couple of weeks later, again, if you know the story, where did he find it? In a shop front, walking down the main street. He's like, oh, that's my boat. Walked in, takes off the shelf, starts to leave. And uh, the shop owner's like, hey, hey, little boy, sunny boy, hey, uh, that, that's, that's going to cost you. And uh, the poor little boy couldn't even afford his own boat. So I had to go and work and do some odd jobs until he had enough money to go back and buy the boat that was his. And it was already his. And uh, even even had his name on the bottom. And the shop owner was like, well, that could be any Johnny. How do I know it's you, Johnny? And uh, I think that would have been pretty awful. Anyways, he got it back. And it's the idea of redemption, redeeming something to gain or regain possession. You ever redeemed a gift voucher? It's pretty fun redeeming a gift voucher, isn't it? It's like spending money that uh, you didn't even have to earn. (laughs) It's the best type of spending, in my opinion. Uh, Unless you're Yvana. Hey, Yvana. (laughs) My wife is somewhere. There she is. Yvana loves to keep gift cards. Doesn't like, loves to get them, loves to go shopping, just doesn't like to use them. And uh, I encourage her, no, spend it, enjoy it, love yourself for a moment. And uh, she's still got so many gift cards. So uh, I've tried to very strategically never buy her gift cards anymore. I just buy her presents. And uh, anyway, the gift cards were never for me, actually, not for family and friends. Anyway, Yovana, use them. Yes, amen. Okay, back to the message. Redeemed. Redeemed. It's a pretty cool concept, actually. Redeemed. Redemption. Uh, let, me, let me illustrate redemption like this with some big picture perspective. You are in a church this morning, and uh, you are sitting on a chair that uh, was paid for by people's giving, And uh, all of us, we all do this. We all make this happen. We all make this possible. We make the house of God possible by our giving. And uh, But this house and these chairs wouldn't be here. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. So just over 2,000 years ago, Jesus started something that was so awesome that you're here today. Whether you want to be here or not, you're here. And and Jesus started it just over 2,000 years ago. I think that's pretty phenomenal. And you know what? There has never been more Christians on the planet than today. There are literally billions of Christians, believers in God, who love God and who are gathering all around the world. Now, some of them are not as blessed as us. They are not sitting in a nice, comfortable room. Uh, They are not uh, sometimes, uh, many of our brothers and sisters around the world, they don't even get to meet. They have to, they have to, bit like fight for a little place to meet or they have to they have to hide to meet because our world is a pretty interesting place all you have to do is just watch any of the news for longer than a minute and you work it out 
that our world is not very great. And uh, however, there is great stuff happening. And we get to be a part of it. And I think that we need to remind ourselves as often as we can that we're a part of His church. And He is doing something awesome. And we get to be a part of this. We get to be a church that gathers on Sunday. We get to be a church that goes out and does the Great Commission Monday to Saturday, come back again and rally around each other, share testimonies, encourage one another, and then go and do it again. You and I are a part of something. He's chosen us. He's chosen you to be a part of His church. And I think that's pretty awesome. Redeemed. Redeemed. It's what Jesus wants to do for the whole world to redeem humanity, to regain possession, something that he wants, he desires human beings. And uh, our first story in this series is the story of Joseph. Joseph, from the pit to the prison to the palace, Israel's saviour. little backstory real quick. Uh, Abram, uh, after the Tower of Babel, Uh, The next thing that takes place in the book of Genesis, the the very first book of the Bible, is the story of Abram, and God renames him Abraham. And uh, Abram gets given a promise, and it's an awesome promise, incredible promise. He's a pretty old dude, uh, pushing in his 90s, and uh, his wife is, uh, look, yep, reasonably old as well. Uh, Not super old, she's also, you know, pushing 90s, and... uh, And uh, they're getting close to 100, which is pretty cool. But um, God says, you are going to be a great nation. And uh, by the way, just check out those stars. Yep, just like you can't number those, you're not going to be able to number your descendants. And uh, people are going to think that you're so blessed. And all of your descendants, people are going to look at them and go, they are so blessed. Wow, I want to be a part of them. I I want to join that family. I want to be a part of... Abraham's descendants. Now, a little while later, we know that the story uh, for Abram's descendants uh, probably doesn't really look like that, does it? No. And uh, we're going to pick that story up pretty close to the start of it. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. There's a couple of other kids and wives and stuff along the way, but uh, that's a story for another time. Um, Jacob had a whole lot of sons, and, uh, and he had one daughter, Dina. Pretty cool. Uh, Twelve sons, one daughter. And one of those sons, the second last son, the first son to the girl he really wanted to marry. Again, story for another time. It's pretty wild, those stories in the Old Testament, aren't they? Yes. Uh, Life is a lot better now in the New Testament. May I say so? Yes. Uh, Thank God for Jesus Christ and our new covenant. Joseph. Joseph was born. The first to his love. And uh, Joseph had a story that is pretty wild. And uh, we're going to learn a lot out of it this morning. Joseph started his story by sharing some dreams that God gave him, but in reality probably shouldn't share it at that time. Genesis 37, his first dream, he saw his brother's bundles of grain. Now, just think back then, uh, you know, not, uh, not very similar to these days. Uh, it was quite uh, primitive, um, they had a fair bit of st- cool stuff going on when you read it, and uh, but you know uh, these guys are farmers, and uh, it was pretty uh, a pretty raw lifestyle, and uh, so the pictures and the dreams that Joseph has uh, are you know in in line with that time, and uh, his first dream, he's out in the field, 
no harvesting. And uh, he gathers up his bundle of, of uh, grain and his uh, brothers will gather up their bundle of grain. And then all of a sudden, all of his brothers' bundles of grain turn around and bow down before Joseph's bundle. Now, Joseph uh, decides it's a fantastic idea to tell his brothers his dream and his father. Um, mistake number one, Joe, not great. Uh, it's probably not going to serve you very well. And uh, it doesn't. Uh, but it gets worse, my friends, because Joseph has a second dream. Uh, if the first one wasn't bad enough, and uh, a little bit more to the story, uh, Joseph also is rocking around in this sick-ass robe, uh, like beautiful, coloured robe. Brother's super jealous because his dad clearly loves him more than everyone else. Uh, I tried to tell my siblings that one time. They still don't believe me, and it's not true. I all know, we all know it's Jacinta and Susanna. Don't know why. We try. <laughs> Anyways, his second dream. Uh, check, check this out. His second dream, not just bundles of grain, uh, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bow down low before Joseph. And uh, pretty incredible. Now, telling his brothers and fathers certainly didn't go so well for him. And uh, Joseph's troubled journey begins. And uh, they're out, they're off, they're doing their thing, looking after their sheep. Another one of those things people used to do back then. Now we eat it from Woolies. But uh, back then, they looked after him. He was hated by his brothers. They wanted to kill him. But they thought, you know what? They came up with this idea, rather than killing him, let's just, let's just throw him in a pit and leave him. Because then if he dies, it's not really us, so there'll be no blood on our hands. Now, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty dire straits if you're talking about brother issues, hey? Uh, but it gets worse. An opportunity arises, and uh, one, of the, one of the brothers, the oldest brother, the first son, Jacob, Reuben. Reuben's are always good people, aren't they, Reuben? Yes? He's like, Pastor Joe, don't, don't pinpoint me. Uh, anyways, you're a good man, Reuben. Great youth leader. Love you. Uh, Reuben was actually going to secretively save him, but he rocked up too late. And uh, the other brothers saw a, a, uh, a, a caravan of uh, traders coming by, and they thought, awesome, let's make some money off of this. Let's not, let's not leave him to die. How do we gain anything out of that? Let's sell our brother to these travelers, and then we haven't killed him, and we've made some money. This is fantastic. Reuben rips his clothes, yells out in grief. He's like, what have you done? And uh, so then they come up with this awesome plan, uh, I'm not sure why they thought it was awesome, uh, but this is the story. Um, they, they kill a goat, poor goat, put, dip Joseph's robe in its blood, send it back to their father with a message. Didn't go themselves, the cowards, sent their robe back, dipped in blood with a message. Um, is this the coat, as if it wasn't, that belonged to your son? Not our brother, your son. Talk about family issues, hey? You got some? I reckon Joseph had some pretty bad family issues, yes? Not, not so great, not doing very well. However, check this out. It'll be on the screen. Genesis 37, verse 25. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up, saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. 
first intervention by God. I'm going to draw out three intervention, interventions this morning by God in the story of Joseph. And this is number one. God intervenes. Oh, wow. A caravan of traders going to Egypt just happens to be going by at this exact moment. What a setup. Now, we know, if you know how the story ends, that that's pretty cool because we need Joseph in Egypt for a whole lot of other stuff that's coming up. But uh, can I tell you that uh, if you think your family has issues, uh, Joseph had some reasonable issues in his family, but uh, maybe God can use you too. Maybe God can use your family. Maybe God will use you to save some people. Joseph enters Egypt and gets picked up by a man named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. And he's put to work in his house. Have a think about this. Now, again, if you know where the story ends, and if you don't, well, the story ends. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Joseph ends up being in the palace, prime minister of the nation of Egypt. Now, I know it's a spoiler alert, but uh, so is the Bible. We know how the story ends. Amen? We win. Victorious. Hallelujah. Well, for Joseph, though, he doesn't know how the story ends because he's living it, and it's pretty awful. So he's, uh, he's come out of a pit, but now he's enslaved. He's a slave. Not super great, but uh, the Lord is with him. And uh, so close to his destiny. The guy he's working for is literally the captain of the palace guard. So close, yet still so far. Didn't realize what God might be doing with his story. Goes on in Genesis 39, and uh, this is God's second intervention. The Lord was with Joseph, it says, and he succeeded in everything he did. So despite the circumstance that he is in, Joseph clearly had an attitude, well, you know what? No matter what, I'm just going to keep serving God. I'm going to keep putting my best foot forward. I'm going to keep doing what I know is the right thing to do. And God ensured that he succeeded in everything he did. Now, Potiphar noticed this and uh, made him his personal attendant. However, this is God's second intervention. Uh, He's now the PA to the boss man. And uh, someone else also notices Joseph. Naughty Potiphar's wife. Has a little eye for for the new worker in her home, Joseph. And uh, starts having lustful thoughts. And uh, she wants a little bit of what's going on. Begins looking at him. And uh, she wanted him bad, it says. Literally, every day trying to woo him in every day, tempting him every day. Hey, come on. Look, no one else is in the house. Just you and me. Yes, pretty, pretty awful. Joseph refused. It wasn't right. Ultimately, he made the decision, no, I'm going to sacrifice this position. I'm not going to give in to this. And uh, it doesn't go so well for Joseph because all gets orchestrated by, by Potiphar's wife that uh, she pretends that Joseph tries to have his way with her. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Potiphar uh, believes the story of his wife and uh, didn't want to, but knows he has to, gets Joseph out of there and puts him into prison. Now, it's not, not a good prison. Not that any prison is good. Uh, but look, it's probably not an Australian prison. It was an Egyptian prison. And uh, it's quite a few thousand years ago. So it uh, would have been pretty awful. 
Basically, they're put there. Generally, they probably die. They kill each other or they get killed or they die of some disease or whatever is going on. But not Joseph. Not for Joseph. I want to encourage you with a couple of thoughts around this. Don't become accustomed to a counterfeit version of your dream. It might seem like a pretty awesome position to be in. But for Joseph, he was still a slave. He might have been the personal attendant of a really powerful man. He might have thought, well, I don't really feel like I'm a slave. Like, I've got a pretty awesome job. But it didn't negate the fact that he was a slave. He was still owned by someone. And that someone wasn't Jesus. Don't even think that if you're being promoted that it's the promise of God coming true. If there is a promise of God in your life, and if there is a word of encouragement from Scripture, then know that enslavement is not a part of that story. And if you feel enslaved to something or to someone, that is not a part of your story. Don't settle for a lesser version of your calling. It might seem great. You might even get promoted in where you're at. But it doesn't mean that it's what God has for you. And if you think it's pretty awesome, well, imagine how awesome the real version of your story would be. Check this out. Genesis 39, 19 to 23. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph, about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite within the prison warden, with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that had happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. He's slowly getting closer to the king. You know, for Joseph and for probably all of us, uh, if you've gone from uh, family issues in a pit uh, to being enslaved to being incarcerated in prison, uh, that story doesn't exactly look like it's getting better, does it? It seems like it's getting worse. And uh, now for Joseph, you'd probably think, God, God, is this for real? I was a loved son. Like, I was a treasured son. Like, you gave me a dream. You gave me a prophetic word that, that, that my life was going to be awesome and that, that I was going to be a leader and I was going to be able to, to help people around me and do awesome things. And I'm in prison in Egypt in a nation far away from my people. God, you don't even exist. God, you don't even know where I'm at. God, how could you allow this to happen? Imagine all of the things that Joseph could have been thinking. And you know what? He probably was thinking them, but God was with him. No matter what, no matter where we are, nothing is bigger than God. God can be with us, yes, on the mountaintop, but he can also be with us in the lowest of values. Amen? Amen. The story goes on, Genesis 40. He begins to reveal the meaning of dreams. Joseph has begun to become mature and God has been developing the gift on his life, his gift being formed and fashioned. 
being able to understand and being able to interpret dreams. See, at the start, he had a couple of dreams that he didn't understand. Now, we don't know whether he asked God, what do they mean or anything like that, but the story doesn't tell us. So one could assume that Joseph shared these dreams without interpretation. And he shared these dreams. And as we know, it didn't go so well for him. But all through this story, all through his journey, God has been developing this young man, maturing this young man, getting this young man ready for an incredible role that he was going to have to play. See, God isn't going to put us somewhere that we can't handle. God isn't going to put us into a position that we can't handle. And until we're ready, He's going to work on us. He begins a good work and He finishes that good work. So, the third intervention of God. He's now so close to His destiny, so close to His calling. He's literally in the prison of the palace where the king lives, where the king rules and reigns from. There's a couple of dudes in there that have a dream. And uh, one of those dreams is pretty awesome. Uh, He's going to be restored. This guy's going to be restored back to his position as uh, cupbearer. And the other guy uh, doesn't work out so great for him. Uh, He was going to be released, uh, but not to live. Um, Ends very badly for the other guy. But both dreams were interpreted correctly by Joseph. Both dreams came true. And he said, remember me when you go to the palace. And the guy forgets him. So Joseph remains in the prison for two years. Two years. Now, we don't know how long he was serving in uh, Potiphar's house. I don't think it was probably that long. Uh, Maybe a little while. But uh, by the sounds of it, uh, what happened with the wife uh, probably happened pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, being a new employee and um, a new worker, uh, Potiphar probably didn't like what he's having to do, but it's probably a little bit easier to let him go. And so maybe it wasn't so long in that part, uh, but to go from slavery to prison, uh, not so great. Not so great. Genesis chapter 41. Enter Pharaoh into the story. Pharaoh himself has a dream, and it's actually a dream from God. God gives a dream to someone who doesn't believe in God, in fact, thinks he's a God, (laughs) is worshipped like a God, is served like a God, the sun God, Ra, Ra, Pharaoh, has a dream. And in this dream, it doesn't make sense to him because there's these seven really awesome healthy cows and there's these seven really ugly skinny looking cows. But the skinny ones, the ugly ones, rise up and eat the good, healthy cows. He has another dream and the same parallel story runs along the line. He's like, he's asking all of his wise guys and he's asking all of his people that, you know, know some fancy tricks and stuff in in Egypt and, uh, you know, try and do special magic stuff and things. And no one can answer his dreams. No one gets it. And then finally, the cupbearer hears and pops up. It's oh, Probably inside going, oops, it's meant to tell Pharaoh about this guy. Uh, anyways, uh, remembers Joseph. Two years has gone by, remembers Joseph, who's, he doesn't know if he's alive or not, but he's like, hey, I know a guy who, who actually interpreted my dream and said that I would be your cupbearer again. Pharaoh goes, send him in, go get this guy. Now, you see, 
Joseph had to be where he was for that to take place. God's third intervention, it's all starting to come together. The big picture of Joseph's life is starting to take shape. Now, anyone that goes before a God-man, Ra, the rule of the, of the superpower of the world, uh, look, you're probably a little nervous. You're probably not super excited to go before a guy like that. But Joseph goes in, hears the dream, and interprets the dream with such precision, and doesn't just interpret it this time. But inspired by God, gives Pharaoh the wisdom with how to act on the dream. And he says, look, you need to appoint someone really, really uh, uh, smart and skilled uh, that has the authority and the ability to be able to uh, work out how to, how, to, how to maximize the harvest over the next seven years, which was the dream being interpreted, before the seven years of famine comes. And uh, Pharaoh is like, well, who... Who could we get? Who else? But the only guy who was able to both interpret the dream and give an amazing, wise instruction on what to deal with that dream. Check this out. Genesis 41, 37 to 44. Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man, so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as, as intelligent or as wise as you are. Love that. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. So no longer being ordered around, now he's going to be the one dishing out the orders. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a rank higher than yours. It's pretty cool, eh? Next slide. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine linen clothing. Aha, got, got some cool clothes back. Pretty cool. Hung a gold chain around his neck. Now he's bossing it with some jewelry. Hey, Tower. And, uh, and then he had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for his second in command. This is getting pretty cool. Whatever, wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. Starting to interpret a dream once had, hey. So Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all Egypt. And Pharaoh said to him, I am Pharaoh. But no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Pretty awesome. Sometimes, though, I think we, we, we get a dream and we see a dream and we're a prince of the Most High. We're a princess of the King of all kings. And we want to skip the development stages of our gifts and go straight to the end. You see, Joseph wouldn't have been able to serve as a prime minister of a superpower if God didn't take him through a journey that ensured that he was going to trust in God. See, there is no way for Joseph to have done what happened for Joseph. No way. There was no way for him to be promoted to a position like that. Impossible. Literally impossible. It would never have happened in a million years. Never. 
Because Joseph wasn't Egyptian. And he wasn't raised and trained in their ways. He wasn't anything close to being able to even be someone of maybe a little bit of authority in Egypt. But the guy, through one moment with the king, is taken from a prison, given fine linen clothing, a chariot, the signet ring of the 2IC, the authority to command every single lifestyle, every single move, whether hand or foot, whatever it is, of the whole nation, of the then superpower of the world. Only God can do that. The dream's fulfilled. Seven prosperous years come, then seven years of famine come. But check this out, it doesn't just hit Egypt. The famine spreads. And it hits all the surrounding nations. The Bible says that a severe drought and a severe famine literally spread throughout the entire world. The boys come to Egypt. And the original dream starts to take shape. Now, this all is a setup for the nation of Israel. But we're going to see that in part two next time. But I'm going to finish this story for today. The boys come to Egypt. And what Joseph saw many years before, you think about this, sold, we don't know how long, maybe a couple of months, let's just say that for the conversation this morning, uh, working in part of his house, two years in prison, and then 14 years ruling Egypt. Just over 16 years, Joseph has been separated from his family. It's a long time for a dream to take place. You know what? Especially those two years in prison. Imagine waiting for God to come through for you in a prison in Egypt. The boys come in and they bow before him. But not to worship him. He's become their redeemer. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Who is Ra? The Egyptian God's son. Ra was known as the sun god of Egypt. So who's the moon? Well, I studied it for you. Konzu. Konzu was the Egyptian god, the moon. And Konzu means travelers. So the people, not just the nation of Israel, but the Bible says all the surrounding nations came to Egypt because they heard that there was a man who had stored up enough grain, not just for the land of Egypt, but for all of the nations around them. And so the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, his 11 brothers, had come and bowed down before him. God's dream that he gave Joseph comes to pass. God brought back their salvation, saved them from famine, saved them from death. You know, Egypt might have been the answer, but it was God who made it so. Amen? The end of the first book of the Bible sees God's intervention in one man's life, yet many lives, saving them from death. The end of the beginning. But it's a picture for us of the beginning of the end. Let me talk about timing. 
post-Joseph's dreams, there was a very long road to his redemption, wasn't there? Probably just over 16 years. Think about this, from being hated to seeing them humbled before him. From slavery to salvation, God had a plan. My friend this morning, I encourage you, he has a plan for you too. Come on, two years of waiting, 14 years of ruling and reigning of the superpower of the world. It's pretty awesome. And then the dream takes place. Have a think about this. See, God's timing is so perfect. Maybe Pharaoh wasn't ready. And you know what? It wasn't just Pharaoh in this story that had to be ready for Joseph's dream to be able to take place, for his destiny to come true. A famine that was going to hit the whole world had to come to pass. So you might think, oh, Pastor Joe, you're crazy. You have no idea about my story. There is no way God knows what's going on in my life. Can I encourage you this morning? He does. You just might not know that superpowers or cataclysmic events in nature might just have to happen first before your destiny comes true too. God knows what He's doing. You can trust Him. He's faithful. Let's not lose perspective or sight that God is good. God is love. And He is working on our behalf. See, Joseph's destiny was intertwined with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who would have thought. And a climate event that was literally going to shake the entire world. It's incredible. You know, Pharaoh was a god. He considered himself to be a god on earth. And uh, for someone like that to be in need, something pretty incredible is going to have to take place. Because he had everything and more. Only a famine that could destroy him would have put someone like that into a position of need. So there's calling maturity in timing. It's time for God to do his godly development in our lives. For Joseph, well, wasn't ready for his calling, but it became the answer and God used him to save his people. For the nation of Israel, well, they didn't need saving yet. God just knew they would. And it wasn't just Israel that was saved. For God so loves the whole world. Egypt was saved. And all of the nations around him were saved. There's a promise in all of this for us. Despite all that may be going on, despite the natural circumstances around you, despite the circumstances that are being orchestrated by man, despite even the circumstances of the principalities and the powers and the rulers of darkness, above it all, we have been redeemed and we are victorious and we will be victorious through it all. We know how the story ends. Amen? So have hope in your God. Have hope in your salvation. Do not become despondent in the waiting, but see God in it. And take what God has given you to do and be found being faithful. Be found succeeding in what you can do with what is in front of you. And let God do what God wants to do. Let God promote you. Let God bring you into your destiny. You get focused on doing what you're meant to be doing. I think you'll probably even get there a little bit quicker. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And His name is Jesus. Have the band join me, please.
It was a pretty bad story for a while, wasn't it? But uh, it ended pretty good for Joseph. And I love that. And you know what? It is 100% a picture of your story too. Your life might be really awful at the moment. I remember sitting on the end of my bed a couple of years ago as a bachelor. And man, was I in a dark place. I, I couldn't even work out what clothes to put on. This moment of just deep darkness came over me and I was so, so depressed. It was really unusual for me because I am the complete opposite personality to that. And thank God for the resilience that He has built in my life. Because a couple of days I was able to climb out of that by allowing the Word of God to wash over my mind. But we all go through stuff, don't we? Sometimes it's stuff that's done to us and sometimes it's stuff that we do to ourselves. Joseph put his foot in it, didn't he? Probably shouldn't have shared that dream yet. You know, maybe God's given you a dream. Well, can I encourage you with discernment? Share it. Share it with someone who you know you can trust. Some dreams you should share with everyone. But other dreams, sometimes those dreams are for you to hold on to, to give you encouragement that it is going to come. And if you're sitting here today, you're like, Pastor Joe, my life doesn't look like it should. My life has turned out pretty awful at the moment. Can I encourage you? You know what that tells me? The best is yet to come. There is something in store for you. Because otherwise, God would be mocked. And the Bible says He will not be mocked. So have hope. Have hope. He has redeemed you. The cross is your proof. If that's all you can hold on to for this season, hold on to the cross. Our hope. Our Redeemer. God knows what you're going through. He hasn't abandoned you. Let me encourage you with this. It says in Romans, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the Scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Paul said, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Now, Paul went through some stuff. He was stoned to the point of death. He was stoned again. He was put in prison. He was locked up. He was shipwrecked. The guy went through a whole lot of awful things. And Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, Joseph became a redeemer for his people and God redeemed him and God is also our redeemer. Come on, would you stand with me this morning as we Come to a close. Would you close your eyes, church, and just give God your attention in this moment because He loves you, cares about you, knows what you're going through. And He knew you were going to be here today to hear that message. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. God, we thank you that you are in control. God, you are good. You are good. Holy Spirit, you've been sent as our helper. So this morning, we stand here humbly and we ask for help. Help to hold on. Help to have faith. Help to continue believing in you, Jesus. Help to do what you have told us to do. God, I pray for every person here right now in this place. Lord, that they would recognize that you do love them, that you do care about them, and that you do understand what they're going through. Holy Spirit, help us to give time to our Father, to go into the closet. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to prioritize time with you, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. Holy Spirit, help us to come into your presence, to place you as King in our heart, to tell you what's going on. Help us to have intimacy with you. Holy Spirit, help us to trust in God, to ask Him for help, to ask Him for the way, to ask Him for the answer. God, help us to succeed in what we're doing while we're waiting for our dreams to come true. Lord, I pray for those right now, their heart is heavy for loved ones that don't know you, children that have walked away from you, or children that have never known you, or parents that have never known you. God, those close to us, our immediate children, our immediate family, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to hold on, to have hope like Jacob would have hoped. Lord God, help us to hold on that our family can be saved, that you love them way more than we do. God, remind us of your love. Remind us of the cross when we start to think, how can it happen? How can they come in? Lord God, I pray that you would inspire us to show them you. Lord God, for those in the room that are struggling with a health issue, Lord God, something awful going on in their world. God, I pray until that breakthrough comes, Lord God, that you would give them strength, that they would know peace. Lord God, that they would see your hand at work. God, if it's your timing, let it be in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that you know what you're doing. I pray that you would help us to remain heaven-bound, to have a big picture view of life. Lord God, to know that you are good and that you love us, that you're for us, you're not against us. Lord God, that we are the head and we're not the tail. Lord, that you have made a way of escape for us to take. God, I pray that this story, the story of Joseph, let it encourage us today and help it to help us encourage those around us in Jesus' name.